1: Hello and welcome to the Winner's Find A Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark. I am super excited that you could join us today. I am with my superstar guest, Crystal Waltman. How are you doing, Crystal? I'm great, Trent. Thanks for having me today. I'm so excited. Like you and I, we met at the Super Bowl and super just excited to have you on. You have a great story and a great book. And we're going to talk about all that. For those who are joining us, I am I'm live from the NFL Combine today in Indianapolis. So I'm in a hotel room with this great background. And so your background looks awesome. Like, look at this. I like look at the abs right there on your swing. Like, were you going deep right there? Like that softball swing right there
2: over the fence.
1: Always shoot for the fence. Yes, (laughs) I love it swinging for the fence. That's that's a great photo. Is that actually the cover of the book right there? No, your cover's your photo. Is it on the back? That photo.
2: yeah, it's the back cover.
1: Oh, yeah. There it is. Boom. Oh, so,
2: And then a few artists have picked yes. it up. A friend shot this, Tony Mandarich. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah.
1: Sparty on. Tony Mandarich, the football player?
2: Yes. He's Tim, yes. and I are great friends. And he is also a wonderful photographer. He does a lot of great sports. Grit. You know? Yeah.
1: So one oh, yeah. uh, one thing that's that's a that's a little thing that most people don't know about you. You hang out with Tony Manders. And people who don't know Tony Manders, Tony Manders is probably the the biggest, most popular offensive lineman ever in a draft. He was the first one who really became a superstar draft athlete when you know, back when, and this is funny at the combine, right? Because here I am and, you know, now people put a lot of stock in the offensive line. And back then it was all quarterbacks and receivers and, you know, and running backs. And he was really that first multimillion dollar athlete that was in the line and obviously had a, a story about him in Sports Illustrated while he was in college at Michigan State. Uh, which was really unique, so that's a that's got to be a cool relationship. But we are here to talk about Crystal Waltman today, who I'm super excited, and her book Quitting to Win, which was the 2020 health book of the year. And man, I, you know, when I think about that book, like Quitting to Win, it, it sounds so counterintuitive, right? Like from all of mm-hmm. us who are like grit guys and like, I hey, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah, you never quit, never say die, right? <laughs> it's like, wait, quit to win? Hold on, like I can't do that. So, this is going to be great to dive into a little bit. But, Crystal, first of all, tell them where they can find you besides crystalwaltman.com.
2: Yeah, anywhere. Books are sold crystalwaltman.com, Amazon, you know, audiobook, download, your so- whatever. Your social? Barnes and Noble social. Oh, Crystal clear fit on Instagram and LinkedIn, Crystal Waltman.
1: All right, sweet. Yeah. All right, for those joining the show and you've never joined us before, I want you to think about, for for our listeners, we talk to one percenters about the challenges. So if you are having challenges these days in your business, you are on your road to be elite and you're running up against walls and you're looking to do something greater, I think this is the podcast for you. We talk to a lot of folks who have certainly accomplished a lot, But not without trial, not without challenge along the way. In fact, I would dare say, Crystal, that a lot of my folks that have been on our show, the very trial and charge that that took them down a pretty tough road was the very catalyst that got them to the next level, oftentimes. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But a little background on you. A superstar softballer, you know, hence the swing, Mm -hmm. which... Maybe better than mine, and that pisses me off. All right, just yeah. I'll just say that. And then played at Central Arizona National Championship, finished out school at Arizona State. You know, you publish this book, but you know, a lot of people probably don't know the fact. Like you've been health conscious for years. You are an absolute yoga expert, having actually studied with Bikram himself. Which Bikram Hot Yoga is probably one of the world-renowned hot yogas of all the world, despite the man and his issues. The concept is, is great. My wife and I do Bikram yoga and love it. And I think it's called something else now, but the concept, the, the modality, the methodology is all the same. And I mean, 30 years you've been at that. So like your body fat is three and a half percent or Crystal, where are you at right now?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, you know, I played sports in college. I broke myself, you know, and after that's where I first got introduced to pain pills. was in the trainer room and keep playing. And, you know, we, we played like soldier softball. It was like, you know, no matter what we played and, you know, that was the, back then that was really the culture of do what's best for the team, not what's best for the player in the long run. And I think we've, you know, times have changed significantly where they do more, what's better for the player now and look at them long-term. But after I got out of college, I was in so much pain that, you know, I, they said, Oh, your back's broken. It's like that of alignment. You need surgery. I was so young. I was like, wow, how I can't get back surgery. Yeah. You know? So let me lose some weight. Let me go to yoga. Let me build a strong core. And that kept me going for a while, but I was drinking to relieve pain. I was taking pain pills to relieve pain. I was going to yoga. So everything looked good on the outside, but physically and emotionally, the Substance started to catch up with me as this progressive disease. And Mm. in college, I was a very high performer. As long as we won and we celebrated, you know, I wasn't a daily drinker, but a very much like a blackout drinker on the weekends, just when we won, which was all every week, right? Because we out of our 100, we had 101 games that season, like we won 99 of those games. Yeah. So we were just, I was part of this. Great dynasty that was going through and, you know, back during club ball, I mean, even some of the dads drank with their daughters and it was just really acceptable when we were on the road together, play hard, win, celebrate, you know, and my life became filled with blank spaces.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I don't know if you ever saw that movie, a girl on a train, but where she witnessed a murder. And she was in a blackout state. And my mm. life became like that, where I didn't really know what I was involved with or what happened that night. And then, you know, people would tell me bits and pieces and I was losing myself,
0: mm.
1: just
2: completely losing myself. And I had to stop and ask for help. I mean, there's you know, a
1: lot of courage right there, right? That you finally decide. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, one of the things you brought up, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there, but one of the things you brought up is we've adapted better to individual health and wellness and recognizing like, Hey, this isn't the best for the person. And, and I do think, you know, growing up as a kid, it was win at all cost and play through it and, you know, rub some dirt in it. Right? <laughs> like that, that was a, a common phrase. I heard many an in injury, rub some dirt in it, you know, mm-hmm. and just, which was the old adage just keep playing, you know, and I, and I can remember really that shift in the nineties and really it makes perfect sense. Right. You know, if you're playing at 80%, it's not long before, especially, at, you know, at the professional level where I was at, like, I mean, three, 4%, you're real average, real fast. Like if you drop off, like everyone can beat you all of a sudden and they smell your pain. Like if they know you can't get to the ball because you got a tweaked oblique or you got something like they're just kind of start pouring it inside on you. Like they, right. They smell it, man. And so they really, you know, you're taken advantage of. And so, you know, from a logical standpoint, I've never understood it like, hey, why are we running somebody out at 80% when we have somebody ready to go, who's actually going to be able to probably contribute to the team? Because the likelihood of this person at 70% or 60% being better than someone at 95% Mm -hmm. isn't good. At this level, like everybody's pretty good. Right. And so it was always a challenge to me to see that happen. And I rec- I can recall one athlete and he threw me off, man. Like it was because I'm the grinder, the gritty guy. You've seen me. I'm not, I don't look the part of a pro baseball player, right? At five, six, 175 pounds when I'm playing. So, you know, I was always like play through it, play hard. I couldn't run the risk of going to the bench and never coming back. Right. So man, I remember this guy who was just a fabulous player. And he was like, you know, we're going to play 162 games. I mean, I'm not going to dive in April for a ball in the cold. I'm going to play it. And we may give up a run, but if I got hurt and I lost three months, like how's that going to help the team? And I was like, Wait, what? You're not gonna dive <laughs> like like I was like, what are you doing? Like, but you know, it was totally logical, right? Like, he's like, we're have 162 games. Like, if we gotta sacrifice this one run, and I don't run the risk of losing 90 days to breaking an ankle or doing, you know, it was like, well, that's a different mentality that I didn't grow up with, that right. I didn't really understand. But you know, when he said it, I thought like, wow, there's there's a lot of logic and understanding to that. Let's come back to This other component, which is so big, which is, you know, play through it, play through the pain. And so you start numbing, you know, the pain the best you can, which of course is doing major detriment to whatever's hurt because it's just, you know, it's just a veneer, right? You're just, you're, you're masking it. Meanwhile, probably causing more damage. Is that fair?
2: Yes, that is fair to say. And then um, fast forward, I got, I I had to get sober. So my life was in shambles. I had to get sober. My marriage was you know, on the rocks, my husband was like, you can't, you know, have the kids, watch kids anymore, like, you're no good to us, unless you take care of this. But at the same time, he wanted to fix me, he didn't want his wife to be an alcoholic, there was the shame behind the labels. I don't want you to go to those meetings, you know, so I tried everything, you know, going away to all these fancy spas and camps and trying to stop on my own. And I would come back and, you know, I tried everything only drink with me, only drink this, only drink, you know, everything that every alcoholic has ever been through. And to just know that I was wired differently. Right. So it, it just has a different effect on me. So then I got sober. So once I got sober, my back, I started noticing the pain was still there. Right. Okay. And then we moved into a new house and I had movers for like a week, but it was like that second week when I'm just pu- putting every little thing away, just fully fatigued and, went up and over with the laundry basket and just exploded my back, ended up on the floor and, you know, woke up. I didn't know how long I had been there. And then they were like, I can't believe you're walking this long. Like you're, you're structurally, your bones are not holding you up. It's your, your core. Right. So all the, the years of yoga and just, my muscular system was holding me up, but my skeletal system was just in shambles. Mm-hmm. And I believe that alcoholism played a part in that as far as like pulling up, pulling on my bone marrow. Yeah. Right. I was like always in a state kind of maybe of malnourishment. Right. Because yeah. it would play hard and then, you know, deplete. And back then we didn't know about recovery as much either. Oh, like yeah. we didn't know that recovery is just as important as performing. So recovery wasn't part of our training program, you know, it was train, 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 train five days a week, play on the weekends, you know, there was no recovery. And when we had off, when we were supposed to be recovering, we were usually drinking. So I was really depleted in my bones. And anyways, went in for surgery, got all fixed up L3, L4, L5, S1, and four and a half hours there, closed me up, went in the side, took care of some side hernias, the ones that exploded. And, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to walk again or run or chase my kid. And I was just like, you know, then you go through that really emotional thing of being hurt. And then I was in the hospital just like every day I would get up and take a step, take another step, take another step, you know, go to the hallway, go to the door. I was just determined to just get up and walk. I was also went through it with three doctors, one who carefully managed my pain medicine of how not to get addicted because I had been sober. So how do I not, you know, because if they just give you the pills, right? And they just keep taking the pills, keep taking the pills and you don't, you know, there's no points for pain. You know, you need to rest, you need to recover. So I wrote about that in my book about how to go into surgery when you're sober and how to stay sober through that process. You know, it's, you have to take extra steps because not all doctors know about addiction. They just know about surgery and they want to give you those pills. So I came out of that and, you know, every day is a gift. And now that, you know, I'm able to, I'm a head coach of a softball team and just standing on that field and, you know, having those kids come back to me and being able to share all these moments really just is the gift. But it really breaks down to the daily dose because we, most athletes, like you said, what is your greatest thing is also your Achilles heel. Yeah. So you want to go all in all the time and, So I've developed this thing that I live by and I've created this little culture around the daily dose and it stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. So those things that I used to want to get the synthetic high from like man cannot make better than what God has already constructed your brain to make those chemicals on their own. If you know how to turn on those chemicals, which I never learned until I was into my forties and I started studying the brain about how not to be hacked and stuff, you always reach for that. Like as growing up, what's on, you know, everything you see on TV, if you don't feel well, you, you know, take a headache pill. If you start to feel a little uneasy, you know, you eat more, you need sugar, you need caffeine, you need all these things, all these synthetic things, all these pills out there. So what the daily dose is about, it's really about how we're being hacked every day. And what does it mean to be hacked? To be hacked means that something or someone has gained unauthorized access to a system or computer. Normally, we think about that as our bank accounts, our Facebook accounts, our digital stuff. Like, oh, I was hacked.
1: Our identification.
2: <laughs> identification, yes. Yeah. But our brain is our supercomputer and our body is made up of the seven different systems, the skeletal system, muscular, circulatory, nervous. And how do we manage that every day on a daily basis, one day at a time? And how do we learn to turn those drugs on and get the natural high on our own? So if you start to feel restless, irritable and discontent, what do you do? You know, you pick up your phone, you call a friend, you go for a walk, you know. So the daily dose breaks down to these basic middle America stuff, not, you know, that most athletes already know, right? Water, sleep, food, nutrition and connection. Mm -hmm. And it is just that basic. And when I start to get, you know, my addicted brain gets, you know, will go all in on something. And I I, I constantly every day I have to go, all right, take it back to basics. Take it back to basics. If something has been in my head too long. Pick up a phone, run it by somebody, either my coach, my mentor or my mentee. You know, always have somebody ahead of you that you're walking. You want to walk their path and always be leading somebody. And that really tethers me. You know, in the Holy Spirit, and and just in life in general, because if you have somebody you know is following you, and you just want to go do that, it you know exactly what that person has done. You just go ask them, "How'd you do it?" Right, and yeah. then you stay the path.
1: Well, I think that so we got to dive into the daily dose, which the daily dose is in the book, right? Like this is in the book. Or what you talk about? I mean, so it's one of the things that it's always been challenging, right? Because the simple stuff, it's very simple. Right. Like the design is uncanny. It's unbelievable how the human body is made. And I'm a physiology guy. Right. I went to school to study exercise science and physical education. So, you know, it's it's just uncanny how it all works together. But like you said, it's very simple, but it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to wake up every day and say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to make all the right decisions today." You know, I just did a show last week about this, and and I love Patino's book on success as a choice. But the problem is, is we have like fifty thousand choices a day now. It's a lot of choices, right? So let's talk about pivoting that choice matter and and how we're going to do that to quitting to win. Because Mm -hmm. I I think this is kind of where we're diving into is like when I talked on the show last week, I talked about these really world beaters I was with last week in in Fort Lauderdale and Miami area. And, you know, they didn't run their lives like everybody else runs. Like they had eliminated things out of their life that 99% of my friends do not eliminate, right? Like they're like, hey, it's Friday night, you know, like, (laughs) hey. And they're like, yeah, I got no time for it. Like that. There's yeah, no time for that. for that. I can yeah.
2: tell you one thing I cut out a long time ago is going to the grocery store before COVID, right? I know I look at my family plan for the week. How many dinners are we going to have? How many breakfasts? I'm able to order it online and curbside pickup. Like, I don't need to go to walk down the grocery store and see a thousand options and get sidetracked. you know, like, I know what I'm going to wear. It's, it's all about, like, you don't want to waste. I have this one exercise in the book. It's called the diet, how to activate your diet. But it's your it's like you have all these choices to make and take it. Write all these choices down on a sticky note. Where am I going on vacation? What am I going to do Friday night for dinner? Where, am I going to take my wife out tonight? Am I going to call this friend? Is, so is my daughter going to you know go to this camp? Write all these down and then you put it in three categories. Do it, delegate it, dump it. And the reason why you're running slow because your brain, just like your computer, if you have all those windows open, you cannot focus. So therefore you have to eliminate and activate your decision diet and decide means to cut off. Right. Yeah. So people like to say, Oh, we we got so many options. And yes, we're blessed with options of, you know, how many schools little Johnny can go to, but don't, you don't want to lose your energy and you don't want to leak energy. Yeah. And, and that's what all these opportunities have. So you have to know about your inputs, where are you getting your information? What are you listening to? What are you doing this week? Like, you know, map out your whole week. What are your goals? So when you have these 90 minute flow sessions, I'm going to get done in 90 minutes. You know what? Some people will take all week to get done. So yeah, daily dose is for those people that can't get into those. Like they just don't feel well. Why don't I feel well? Or maybe they can't like your, your super achievers, your high performers. They have to know how to fuel throughout the day. I know when I get into writing flows, I do 90 minute flows and I try to do two 90 minute flows a day, three times a week. And that includes my marketing, my outsourcing, my, uh, my writing blocks and my personal stuff. So when I get in those sessions, I've already worked out, I've eaten, you know, I have my water, but boo, 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 everything's on do not disturb. And you just, you get shit done. You yeah. just get it done without distraction. Your self critic leaves you time dilates because you're in the flow and, you know, you've lost track of time and all of a sudden it's 90 minutes and you just, you know, knocked out all this stuff. And it's, it's really the only way to be in you know, by habit stacking. And it's a simple plan for complicated people, basically.
1: Let's talk Let's talk a little bit about that because we always talk about, you know, you call it habit stacking. I often yep. call it batching, right? Like, batching. hey, listen, where are we going to batch, you know, this work that needs to be done because I can do that. I can do three or four of those things in a 90 minute flow state. And I only need to see it once a week. Like this isn't like, oh, I should take five minutes and do that today. And every day, and then it'll take 30 minutes because I'll jack around with it. And you're like, wait a minute, you're wasting 30 minutes without a day? Like, well, not intentionally, because I only really planned for five. Like, <laughs> no, no, I get it. But like, now it's like, oh, so 30 minutes a day, or you could do one 30 minute session one time a week and knock it all out, right? Yeah. And so that habit stacking or patching is so important. Man, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so much right there that, you know, in talking about how we can be efficient. And it's funny because, you know, some of the most guilty party in the world are the athletes and of this poor, of, of the the daily dose of really neglecting two or three of those components, right? Entrepreneurs, they're, they're pretty good at neglecting two or three as well, but yet they're highly recognized as these high achievers. Mm-hmm. And yet they're actually in part running up against themselves, limiting their potential, limiting how far they could go. And, you know, in the athletic world, you know, your body's all you have, right? You know, once it's gone, we don't need you anymore. Right? Like, like, what are you going to provide for us anymore? Like, so it's such an important feature to the career, yet how many people are just regularly abusing it? And it starts early. And I can recall as a kid where I think I remember my mom telling me like, I'm so glad you're in sports. Cause you know, those athlete kids, cause we looked good, you know, they weren't doing all the things that other kids were doing. And I was <laughs> like, wait a minute, mom, like, what? Like, right. you know, yeah, like, just- yeah, yeah, maybe if you don't know, you don't know, you know, but like, they were, you know, some of the worst runners in the school. Right. And it was a real challenge. And, but you know, I think I think John Q Public thought, yeah, hey, this these kids are in shape, they're healthy, they're doing a good job. They're probably not they're committed to winning the conference title, so they're not going to be doing these things that these other kids are doing. You know, not my kid, you know. Kid. What do you say to that? Like cuz this is, I mean, it's somewhat established pretty early in in the game and in the sport world and it just it just permeates especially when there's more and more money and more and more pressures are coming along with it.
0: Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need Rebellious Infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. An L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off your next purchase, use the code 99999. If you are a business or organization leader and want expert advice, coaching, and guidance to help you build your team to be the best, then email Trent directly at Leadershipity.com or connect with him at Trent M. Clark on LinkedIn.